This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. going to be shifting gears a bit now for this next conversation. I got to be honest with you guys. I have a real love in my heart for this brother. Uh, in addition to all the amazing things you're about to hear me talk about in his bio, I just must say uh, the first time I ever took over a building uh, was alongside this brother. The first time I ever had to hide from the white supremacist groups uh, was with this brother. So this is someone who I have uh, known and who have loved and, and respected uh, as a part of my extended village for quite some time. The one and only Taki Morgan is here. Uh, he is a data-driven foster parent recruitment and retention specialist. His primary focus is facilitating coalitions of public and private partners committed to improving outcomes for foster families and the children they support. He is a brilliant brother. He's got his MBA. He, we met at Penn State. He's got all the degrees. He does all the things. Uh, and he is here today to help us unpack a system that we are beginning to learn so much more about and, unfortunately, which so many of us are participants in, even without knowing. Takeem Morgan, it is such a good thing to have you here. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, comrade. Comrade. It's a pleasure to be on your show. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I've been paying attention. You know, I'll be watching from the internet. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a joy to be here and speak with you. Uh, you've been doing amazing, amazing work on the show. And uh, congratulations. And it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. We're going to have to catch up, catch up. But for today, I've, I've been watching the work that you've been doing with Mosaic. And uh, this is an amazing uh, program that you have put together, an organizing effort that you have been engaged in. And it comes from such a personal place. Share with us what you are comfortable with sharing about your own experiences with the foster care system. Absolutely. Um, I grew up in North Philadelphia, um, in the heart of the city, as they like to say, as we like to say. Um, you know, our community uh, faced a lot of challenges, drug poverty, generational poverty, neglect, all the, all the things. Um, and my family, you know, really struggled uh, on many levels, uh, internal, external. Um, and so when I was 10 years old, I was removed from my mother's home. Uh, my mother was designated unfit mm. by the state of all uh, you know, opinion holders. She was designated unfit. We, me and my uh, four siblings were removed from our home. We were placed into kinship care initially. One year after that kinship care placement, um, our grandmother passed away. Mm. Um, and, you know, her, her uh, untimely death, she was only 45 years old. Wow. Her untimely death uh, was due to, you know, some of the same cycles that I mentioned in the beginning. I uh, went to another kinship placement. Long story short is I end up um, uh, aging out of the system when I was 18, right before we met, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah. I had just aged out of the system. Um, and I only aged out because I was one of the uh, fortunate ones that was accepted into Penn State under Act 101, the desegregation mm. uh, legislation. Uh, that's how I got into Penn State. Um, you know, I'm not uh, you know, very proud of, about that. 
because that means that the ancestors got me into Penn State straight up. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I aged out when I was 18, um, and I moved around group homes, moved into a lot of different foster care uh, placements in and out. Um, so it was a journey. I, I kind of, you know, I had the full experience of the of the child welfare and the foster care system. Mm. When you went from your, your, you talked about kinship placement and kinship placement, and I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Is that the sort of placement where it's a foster care relationship, but with someone within your own family, someone you're already related to? Yes, exactly. And so exactly. is, it's, uh, it's, go ahead. It's a, it's a placement of someone that's in your family. Mm. And so well, that post, was the first effort. A, that was the first effort. And then after and, and listen, that, let me, so you say effort, like, I'm going to be honest with you. So the, the problem with the system is that there is not a lot of effort. There's a mm-hmm. rush to judgment in the beginning. Uh, there's an assumption and a systemic bias that comes into place almost immediately, almost as soon as a report gets into the office. It's like, who are these people? What do they live at? Oh, okay. We know what they're guilty of. We know what the problem is. And that's that's essentially what what took place. There was not a lot of effort placed into the plate the initial placement because if anyone would have done even a simple investigation on my grandmother, uh, they would have determined that this probably would not be the best, you know, solution for whatever problem mm. anyone thought that that my mom was having. So you know, uh, there wasn't a lot of effort that was placed into that. And then all the subsequent placements, same. There was not a lot of effort, you know given to okay who are these kids but what do they need what does the family need like what how do we really help this family how do we really help these children Mm. uh and that's part of the reason why you know i created mosaic you know part of the idea is that the system when it comes to us they they really you know they they lack a lot of just fundamental tacit knowledge uh about how to help We've had a guest on and she talked about the fact that she was someone who one of her children or two of her children had been removed from her home. And she talks about the fact that one, that the entire removal process, the foster care process was very similar to what she'd experienced when she had been incarcerated. Uh, So she talked a lot about the parallels between the foster care system and the incarceral system, where, as you say, not a lot of care, not a lot of investigation, not a lot of interrogation of issues is really a part of this process and she talked about the fact that she had to create an organization that would allow families who were fighting for their families to be reunited uh, a way for them to organize and you as someone who has been that child who was taken out of the home uh, I really am so glad we were able to have you both sort of serve as bookends for each other because I feel like your experience really does speak to the unspoken side of people who are able to and I'll say successfully navigate Uh, I'll, I'll let you you know determine how much you want to hold on to that label, uh, but successfully navigate a system that really was intended for our children to not succeed. And and I, I don't want to say intended for them to fail. I feel like that might be too harsh, but I, that just seems to be the way uh, that these these outcomes tend to be set up. You were able to navigate through the foster care system. You, As you talked about, uh, as a result of the ancestors' intervention, <laughs> you were able to make it into college. And yet those experiences were still a fundamental part of your life, I would imagine. And what was it that caused you to navigate successfully into adulthood, successfully accomplish so much that you accomplished, and then realize that this was something that you needed to dedicate your life's work to? Well, I'll tell you, uh, if I'm going to be, I am going to be 100% uh, honest on this. 
And the truth of the matter is, at a crucial point in my story, I ran into an honorable black man that mm-hmm. saw himself in me, and he decided, you know, this young man is going through some craziness, but I'm going to help guide him, mm. right? And uh, that's Mr. Finney. Uh, Mr. Finney was my saving grace, uh, to be just frank. You know what I mean? If I hadn't met Mr. Finney when I did, I probably would be a statistic. I was, I grew up in the streets. I was in the streets. I was connected to everything you think of when you think of the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Finney was not. You know, he was the one that was saying, hey, you know, what are you going to do after high school? What do you, what's your next move? And asking these types of questions that really I wasn't being asked by nobody. Not even, you know, the system was supposed to be my parents. They weren't asking me these questions when they were supposed to be asking them. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's how, that's the, the beginning of, of navigating that system. Now, and I had to have the will, right? I had to have the determination that I was not going to become a statistic and I was not cool with, you know, what I was seeing around me. And so I had to have that, you know, internal commitment to, to overcome these challenges. And so I, I did have that in my heart. I always wanted to succeed and I always wanted to help my family and my community succeed. Uh, but without the tools and without some guidance, it's virtually impossible to do. So Mm. uh, props to Mr. Finney. Props to Mr. Finney and to all the adults who are choosing to show up for young people. And not that you have to, but because the love that you have for our community is driving you to do so. What is it that you do, based on your relationship with Mr. Finney, what is it that you think about him that caused him to make the decision to invest in you the way that he did. A lot of times, many of us, we encounter children who are navigating a variety of issues in their life, and we often think of ourselves as good people, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to do what it takes to pour into a young person so that they, like yourself, have the ability to make a different set of choices than those around them. What is it that you think made him so unique, that he was able to show up for you in the way that you needed, even though he was not himself actually related to you? Well, I think he's just a dope dude. You know, um, you know uh, he put he put Malcolm in my hand. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He gave me the autobiography and was like, you know what? Going through some things. You know, why don't you why don't you check this out? You might this might be something you might feel. And in mm. between, you know, the lessons and, and and trying to get my mind right, he put the book. You know, he put some knowledge in my hands. He also uh, Nathan McCall. Um, mm. um, make me want to holler. You know, he yeah. gave me, gave me that. Yeah, he gave me that book. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know, maybe you might be able to relate to relate to this. Put a put a bunch of books in my hand. You know, um, and so I think that the fact that he had knowledge himself, mm. you know, I think that you know that was that allowed him to have a consciousness to say, look, you know, if we if we care about ourselves, we're gonna care about you know, our children and, and mm. the folks that are, you know, the, the kids that are coming up and the, and the generation behind us. And now the, the interesting thing is I call Mr. Finney, Mr. Finney. A lot of times when I refer to Mr. Finney, people think like, oh, they must be this old dude. But the truth is Mr. Finney's not that much older than me. I think, I, I don't know the exact uh, age difference because I've never really paid attention. He, you know, he just, you know, he's my elder and just, you know, he's just, you know, just that guy, you know, my mentor. So I always gave him that utmost respect. But, but I think Mr. Finney's, only like yeah, I don't even want to do it, but I think he's only like ten years older than me mm. or something like that. But you know what I'm saying? So he was relatively young, but his you know, his consciousness was, was uh 
He's an old soul. He's just, uh, he just a shark. Mm. We need more Mr. Finney's, Takim. <laughs> I just think we do. And I think all of us have the ability to be a Mr. Finney. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you because, you know, so, times we, so many times we see angels and other people without realizing that we have the same capacity for angelic intervention. Like we have the same capacity to Hello, show up with yeah. that love for, for the people in our community, in our world. And, and when we choose the Mr. Finney route, we can do so much to make this world a better place. And, and that, clearly seemed to work for you because again you you navigated this space uh could have been a statistic but were not had some good people pouring good love into you um and you have now become the founder of mosaic what is mosaic and why did you think this organization was so necessary absolutely so mosaic is a digital coffee so actually mosaic is two things today um the concept initially is a digital resource center for foster parents, a place where foster parents can, can come and connect, can uh, learn together, and really increase their capacity to care for our most vulnerable children. Mm. You know, a, a, in a basic way, that's, that's what Mosaic is. It's, it's, it's designed to be uh, an uh, organizing space that, that is not limited to uh, state lines, not limited to county lines. Foster care gets, um, gets uh, executed through, like, these kind of silos, because the federal government doesn't run foster care. The states run foster mm. care, or sometimes the counties run foster care. And so what happens is foster parents end up being separated by these jurisdictions, uh, which decreases their ability to, as a collective, make an impact on the whole system. Mm. And I recognized that as a fellow, as a Foster America fellow for about a year and a half, I got this really uh, honorable, prestigious uh, fellowship, um, and and when I when I went through the fellowship, I learned through, through you know assessment that that this is a barrier that you know every year fifty percent of foster parents quit mm-hmm. after just one placement or just one year. Fifty percent of folks that sign up they quit within one year, and the reason wow. why they quit is because they don't get enough support. They don't get enough support. They feel like they they're uh, treated like extras in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what's the support issue? Why aren't they getting support? And as I interview foster parents and ask questions, what I realize is, oh, it's because they are in this region or they are in this neighborhood or they are in this small area and they don't connect outside of that area. And so mm-hmm. they start to feel very isolated, you know, and then that isolation drives them away from work that they otherwise would stay committed to. So I realized, okay, there needs to be uh, some non-toxic, some kind of, you know, way for them to get together. They're going to be able to transfer information, transfer knowledge, and not be uh, restricted by the by the um, boundaries that the state that you know the state um, puts in play, and mm-hmm. so that's why I, I created Mosaic, you know, at a broad sense and on a real specific level. You know, we need opportunities for Black and Brown families, Black and Brown people that want to be involved in the in the uh, uh, child welfare system, a place for them to get together, for them to feel comfortable. You know, uh, and, and to be able to make their voices heard in terms of uh, uh, impact in this, this system. Uh, and I realized that that didn't exist as well. There wasn't, you know, folks like me who are, are from, you know, the communities that are disproportionately impacted who were setting up structures to uh, bring about some changes. And, and so I thought that as though that was, uh, I was in a unique position and I felt as though that was something that was very necessary. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's essentially why I set up Mosaic. Um, and it's the false appearance hub is the technology that I'm uh, that I'm developing. That's 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 the solution is a, is a technical platform that allows folks to come together. 
um, almost like a you know like a community, almost like a LinkedIn, if you, if you will, you know, a niche wow. community. Um, but what we what I also did is created uh, the cafe Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe, which is the podcast. That's the uh, you know this kind of voice box. That's that's where we bring on guests, important guests. Foster, many of them will be foster parents. Some of them will be experts in the field um, uh, that can provide critical resources. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of it is going to be praise and acknowledgement to foster parents that are doing great work. Um, and it's really about building community and, and amplifying the voices of adults like Mr. Finney who can positively impact the outcomes for our community. Mm. Now, Takim, a lot of us envision ourselves as people who are good-hearted folks. We would love to help out more if we could. Uh, some of us really mean that <laughs> some more than others. But in your opinion and <laughs> your perspective, what does it take to be, to show up as an effective foster parent for children coming out of our communities? Well, the first thing you got to realize is that fostering is not for everyone. Not mm. everyone should or could be a foster parent. So that's the first thing that we want to recognize is that if you look in this space and you're like, yo, I can't do that. That's a lot. Mm. Recognize that it is a lot, and you may not be able to do that. But what I say is not everybody necessarily needs to be a foster parent, but everybody can do something to impact the lives of vulnerable children, mm. right? And so what you'll see if you, if you listen to the podcast, we have an episode that we released today called Foster the Teens. It's all about fostering teens. What you'll, what you'll see is that my guest is an emergency foster care parent, which means that she never has uh, stays that she has short stays in terms of her, her foster placements. And it's for, you know, when a child, when I first came into the system for the first, I think, three months, I was in temporary kind of placement situations. But those mm-hmm. temporary placement situations are critical um, because it could be the difference between a child feeling like they're loved and a child feeling like they're in prison. Because, you know, the placement I got when I first came in was very institutional. I mean, it was essentially a kiddie, kiddie prison. Uh, wow. That's the way it felt. That's the way it looked. If I show you pictures today, you'd be like, oh, snaps. That's, that's when it looks like a prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so she's an emergency foster care uh, parent. And so a child would go to her home as opposed to this prison-like type situation. And that's critical. Um, but she's not a full-time foster parent. There's also, I had another guest uh, who's going to come after her who's a part of this thing called care communities. Hmm. So these are, are, are adults who have a heart for foster care who are wrapping around the foster family, wrapping around the foster parent, and not necessarily taking on a, or taking on a child. That's important as well because anyone that's fostering, they need that support. They need hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a tough job. Like any, raising kids, everybody, you know, you have kids, I have kids. Everybody know that raising kids is a challenge anyway. Imagine if those kids go off somewhere grow up and then come back and, 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 and are looking for you to raise them, that, wow. that can be even more difficult. And that is the case for teens, right? Teens are essentially grew up someplace else, and now they need your parenting. Um, and so uh, that, that, that's the thing I would say is that just recognize that there's a myriad of ways to support vulnerable children without being a foster parent per se. Mm. What do you think when we, it comes to those characteristics, obviously you want to be someone who likes kids, not liking kids clearly distinguishes you from the group of people who should be in foster care. But some of us want to do something to help, but we're concerned about our own financial ability to do so. If I'm bringing another child into my household, will I have the ability to help provide for them in the same way? Uh, there are a lot of concerns as that, that 
potential foster parents have? Am I going to have to choose between perhaps the love I have for the child that I birthed and trying to love this child who might have a whole host of negative emotions as a result of their own very valid uh, life experiences? Talk to us a bit about helping parents or, or folks who are considering the possibility of fostering, but perhaps are a bit concerned about their ability to do so as effectively as they could. What is it at its heart? When you think about Takim at 10 years old, Takim at 15 years old, at the heart of what you were experiencing that moment, what is it that you needed from the adults around you that helped to make the difference as opposed to what adults often do, which can sometimes exacerbate the challenges that our young people are facing? Well, I think, I think, I mean, it's very, very good question. Very valid. Um, and I think you, you raised, uh, two, two things in, in your, in your question. Uh, one is just about, okay, what about if you, if you're facing some, uh, barriers like, uh, financial barriers that you feel like, you know, the needs of the child will be so great that, you know, your, your current sort of ability to contribute, uh, um, you know, might be impeded. That's one side. The other side is, okay. Um, you know, what, you know, what does the child need, uh, more than anything else? A child that's, that's maybe young entering the system, what do they need more than anything outside of the sort of, uh, material, materialistic side? Like, what do they need? And I'll, I would say two things. One, foster parents are not, uh, from a financial standpoint, they're just not supported enough financially, mm-hmm. right? I, I just think that the system really does get a break when it comes down to financially supporting the children as well as the foster parents that are caring for the children, uh, I, I believe those budgets need to be raised in terms of uh, supporting foster parents who are, who are bringing in, in children. And that's on the services side, that's, that's, you know, per diem, you know, conversation. I think it needs mm. to, it, it's not enough, you know, the bottom line, from my, my opinion. And that's yeah. as a child that went through the system and everything. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, in terms of what a child needs, a child really does need a, a, a foster parent to be focused on the relationship, Mm. right? Because we come into the system with a lot of traumatic experiences and, uh, you know, trauma uh, comes in all different forms, but one of the most consistent ways that trauma happens is through neglect, Mm. right? When you have a young child and they're not given the proper attention that a child uh, needs in order to develop, you know, uh, healthy connections with society, then they really do, you know, that's what they're missing. And so, the focus really has to be on establishing a connection, establishing a relationship with that individual. That mm-hmm. individual may have, uh, uh, you know, um, side effects of trauma, but that's, the, but, but, but you know, the human spirit is resilient. You develop a connection that can be transformed. Mm-hmm. So if that's the focus and not the administrative side, not the anxiety side, not the how does this affect me, then I think that you had a potential um, for a positive outcome. And I know that that was definitely the case with Mr. Finney. He really did focus on developing a relationship with me as an individual, not as a foster child, not as a neglected this and that, but as an individual. What do you like? What do you think about this? You know, what are you interested in? Uh, And then go from there. Hmm. You know, as I'm hearing you describe the things that children need, it really isn't so much different than what your actual child needs is because people are programmed to sort of need the same things. Relationship. 
engagement that speaks to who <laughs> I am as a person, not who I am as a right. as a notation in your spreadsheet. But Takim, I'm thinking about, you know, even my own block. There are so many kids who perhaps are not in a foster care system, but who just need these types of intentional, well uh, grounded, uh, healthily grounded relationships with people who perhaps are outside of their family. Uh, maybe it's not someone with whom you're mm -hmm. living, but who you just see every day. And we, I can think of so many kids that I pass on the block every single day who, if I had paused a bit more and slowed myself down a bit more and sort of focused more on who they are and the needs that they have, those relationships can happen, yes, in a classroom. They can happen with neighbors. They can happen with kids you just happen to see at the corner store, wherever it is that you may be. I And, and please push back on this if I'm wrong, because sometimes, you know, I get a little Pollyannish and a little too optimistic about some things. I don't want to be ridiculous about it, but it feels like if we were focusing more on seeing, and I mean really seeing the children around us within our communities, whether they were in a foster system or not, if we were focused on seeing who they are and, and creating a, a set of external stimuli, a set of experiences in our reaction or relationship with them that is really designed to pull the genius out of them, I just feel like we would be back to the more... We, I feel like we would be closer to the perspective of the village raising the child as opposed to individuals having to do this on their own. What are your thoughts on that? You know, here's the thing. I agree with you 100%, right? And and if, if we all could magically just kind of open our eyes and really see our children and be there with them and kind of get on their level and guide them, that would be fantastic. But let me, let me tell you what I believe a hack is. A hack is to support institutions that are doing that, that are designed to do that, mm. that are putting in the infrastructure and the mechanisms, because this is why we create institutions in our community. So they can do the work that individuals may be slacking on on any given day. Mm. Right. So I think, the, I think the key is institutions. We need institutions. That's what I'm hoping to build mosaic into is an institution that will produce and allow, you know, and allow us to, to, uh, uh, automate the process of producing this type of engagement, mm. um, and so that that's that's my 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 uh, you know my recommendation is that one that we create institutions. I think we could you know go out and preach and say, hey, look, really meet these kids where they have to. But I think we would be more effective saying, look, where's the institution that's doing this? Let's support that, mm. right? And if there aren't any institutions in your community doing that, maybe we consider establishing them and building them up so that the next round of folks can pour into the work that is already being done. Takim, you're amazing. Uh, I have long been a fan of yours for obvious reasons. <laughs> How can people follow oh, we you? We fans of each other. We Listen, fans of each other. We family fans. <laughs> How can people follow you and, and support the work that you're doing, amplify the work that you're doing with Mosaic uh, and the other ventures that you have that are really seeking to improve the quality of life for foster children all all over our communities okay well there's two, two two specific ways the first is that mosaic foster parents cafe is a podcast that you can find on any of your uh um platforms that you use to get podcasts uh, uh so that's the first thing i would say is please support the podcast the podcast is a mechanism for developing the technical solution the, the platform mm. uh that allows uh, foster parents to come together, learn, grow, and support vulnerable children. The second piece is that my social media is all my first name. So it's all Takeem, T-A-K-K-E-E-M. 
So that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Um, you can find me there. Follow me, please. Reach out to me. Look, I'm a relationship guy, and I'm all about uh, solutions, and I'm all about, um, you know, building and, and, and uh, making progress. So reach out to me. I'm more than happy to, to connect. Takim, you are doing God's work, which is really the people's work. And that's the work that we should all be doing here on this earth. I am grateful for you. Uh, we're going to tweet out the link to the podcast uh, at SXM Urban View. I'll also retweet that at Larie Favors. We got to make sure uh, what you said was so powerful. Yes, we can do this work as individuals, but the institutions uh, and building institutions is the hack we need so that we create a system, a pipeline, if you will, of producing these types of healthier outcomes and relationships. It's been a real pleasure having you here and reconnecting with you, Talk. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.